Chairshot Podcast back here on a Monday evening, the wrestling day as it has been for 30 something years, I would say. Not oh, less than 30, 27, 28 years now. I'm one of your hosts here, Barry Murphy, back as always with my ever dependable co hosts. First of all, Mr. Joe Towner. Hi there, Barry. And also, Mr. Paul Griffin. I'm not going to talk about it in Teleguff because I don't think it warrants its own bit but I watched an episode of American Dad today that Ooh. referenced Monday Night Raw oh. since we're on a Monday night uh, I, I assume it was uh, was it just the show or did they reference something in particular on it no they referenced one of the characters getting thrown off the bus for watching Monday Night Raw on their telephone with the volume turned up okay that's, that's a good gag yeah. I like the, the, watching wrestling is still a punchline um well, if you want more of those jokes, tune into BT Sports football coverage. Payback <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow night if you watch that shite. Enjoy it. Oh, <laughs> uh, and of course you can tune into Payback if you didn't get enough last week. What is this? What's a week? Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're recording here on uh, a Monday. I um, I had a, a lovely weekend, but it did culminate in me having the Guinness shits yesterday, um, which is a very specific uh, brand of the shits. Um, but uh, you know, no pain, no gain, or something. Do they uh, have like a white foam on top of them? Oh god! Oh dearie me, dearie no, you me! You have to let it rest though before you finish. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> there is a lot of starting and stopping. I will say that much. Um. So, uh, so that was good. Yeah. So I did the old, uh, the old COVID trip to the pub at the weekend. Had some friends down, and we went to the pub. And it's just, you know, we had a nice night, but it's just not the same. I see. I haven't really done this that much since this sort of option became the thing. The the book a spot in a pub for a few hours. Uh, a pub that serves food. You know, I did order food. If the police are listening. Um, I ordered some really shit wings and shit chips with them as well. Um, uh, my girlfriend and one of my friends got really terrible nachos, all for a tenner. Um, yeah, it's 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 simultaneously nice to be able to go out and socialize and do something. You know, like we've talked about going to the cinema and stuff like that. And we'll talk about it again this week. It's nice to be able to do that. It's nice to be able to go to the pub in some capacity, but... It's just not. It's just not safe. And this whole thing of of, of um, it has to be table service because you're not supposed to be getting up and going to the bar. But it's like it, table service in pubs is shit because it's one person running around to twenty tables trying to take drink orders. And yeah, uh, I, I had a lovely. I had a lovely. Uh, uh, I had a good enough time that I was able to give myself a, a horrible uh, tummy upset the next day. But um, but yeah, not, I'm not big on the COVID pub experience. What about you, Joe? Are you are you COVID pubbing in this era? Oh no, I, I mean I wouldn't go to the pub anyway. To be honest, mm. but, um, did go did go to the cinema <clears throat> on um, Friday night. Lovely uh, to see Tenet, which I will review later. Um, but as for the experience, yes, this was the first time, actually the first time really doing kind of anything in an enclosed space since the lockdown started. Because we haven't been to a pub or a restaurant. So this was the first time we went to the IMAX 
at uh, Waterloo in London. Um, it was a Friday night, so it was busy. It was quite packed. They did have the social distancing, you know, it, one seat in between, you know, each party. Um, however, a lot of people in there not wearing the old masky poos. Ah. Not happy with that. I thought it would be kind of mandatory, like nearly everyone would be. Um, but I don't know if people just decided not to, or it was a bit of a loophole where if you're kind of eating popcorn or drinking, you don't have to wear the mask, obviously. But I'd say like 30, 40% weren't wearing one, which was a little bit worrying. Um, so it wasn't a fully kind of enjoyable experience where you can relax. And I'm sure I was quite anxious uh, about that as well. Um, and the funny thing is, usually when we go to the cinema, we usually go on a night when it's not going to be busy. So our last like few cinema trips at the start of the year, we were probably in a virtually empty screen. Whereas now we're going back, it's like completely packed, packed cinema. So wow, yeah, that was a disappointing. Thing. Also, the organisation not great because normally IMAX are pretty good. They kind of treat it like it's a you know a theatre show. You have to get in at a specific time. They won't let you back in if you leave. They do a little intro, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but this one, I think they had a hard time kind of getting people up to the screen and getting them seated because it started sort of 20, 30 minutes later than it than it should have, um, which was annoying. So we were sat in the, we got there early, so we were sat in the screen for a good like 40 minutes before um, the trailers and ads were over. So that was bad. I don't think we'll be, we'll be doing that again. I think if we do go to the cinema again, it'll be like a Tuesday night local cinema and we'll go to see a film that, um, no one else wants to see. Yeah, New Mutants or something. Yeah, like yeah. Why not? <laughs> that's gonna be my exact pick. Yeah, uh, yeah. So that's that's been about it for this week. Want a slightly terrifying trip out? Yeah, I'm. I'm curious. I'm, I'm going to see Tenet in a few days, and I'm. I'm curious what it's going to be because yeah. Um, if so, if you do want to go again, but not have to deal with the crowds. In, in my experience, barely anyone's going to the old films. Yeah. Um, so if you want to go and oh my god, I nearly I nearly got talked into going to see Lord of the Rings, and oh. not only are they, but they are even going out of the way to let you know they are showing the extended cuts in the cinema now. Oh. Um, so if you if if you and the missus just wants to go and eat popcorn for four hours in a dark room, possibly on your own. Um, oh there you go. You can you can do that. But yeah, I'm I'm very curious because as, as I said, like it wasn't. I wouldn't call it busy or packed, but there was more people at the Inception re-release than I was expecting. Mm. Um, so I'm curious about the old tenant. But yeah, uh, what about you, Paul? Um, well, we, I haven't been to a cinema in seven. No, I don't think I've even been to a cinema this year yet. So I'm on quite a stretch uh, without cinema visits. Although, I'm just going to throw this out there while Natty's next to me. Um, I am off work for the next two weeks. Same time people are going back to school. Might be an idea. If we are going to go to the cinema, do a, do an early morning one when people aren't around. That might, that might be a plan. Um not much here. Kildare just came out uh, out of lockdown today. It was announced. We were the, the fuck-ups of the country. The one county left in lockdown who couldn't be trusted to behave themselves. Yeah. Um, so now we're allowed. We're allowed out of our cage. Um, we have a little dog with us staying for the week called Julie. 
Majuli. Majuli. I've done that joke already, Barry. Thanks very much. <laughs> um, who is a mini pincher. Best described, just picture a chihuahua in your head. That's basically what it is. Okay. A little tiny dog. Um, I was working, sitting on my bed this morning with my laptop out, and she was behind the laptop, just lying down, completely obscured by the laptop. I, I could have forgotten she was there if I wasn't, you know, minding her actively. Um, so she's very nice. She's um, owned by a Brazilian couple, so she only responds to Brazilian commands. So we're, we're talking in Portuguese to her rather than English. But she's very nice, very nice little dog, very quiet. She just pretty much sleeps all day. Um, and that's basically all that's been going on around here recently. I get another quiet week. Watched a load of movies, which we're going to get into very shortly. None in the cinema, of course. Um, none of them even stolen illegally. All films that I own. <laughs> so... A very nice legal wow. week, and we didn't, and we didn't break the lockdown either. So there you go. Very law-abiding well, on this podcast. We knew we knew you were the good ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so that's the uh, the life golf there. Uh, Telly golf. Uh, I can't remember. I don't think I did talk about this last week. I watched uh, the first episode of that Lovecraft Country. Have either of you watched this? No, no this is the new HBO one, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele is involved. It's one of those things where people are kind of talking about it's oh, the new Jordan Peele. So it's like, well, he's the, he's a producer. It's like he's not his his program. Um, uh, but he's involved in this. Uh, it's good uh, so far. So I only watched one episode. Uh, it's kind of a, a um, it's it's like a, it's like a quintessential HBO pilot. It's like it's a bit slow. They establish everything. It's kind of like it's not too stylish, but it's getting it's it's you know it looks good. It's it's showing its wares, and then it peaks really well. It gets a bit wild at the end to kind of hook you, and you're like, okay, I get I get the thing. Um, it seems cool. I'm going to uh, I'm going to watch the rest soon. Uh, but that's really all I've uh, I've watched this week. Okay, Joe. Uh, what have I watched? Oh yeah, I started watching the new Spurs documentary on Amazon Prime, uh, which is the the new they're the new subject of the All or Nothing documentary. So it follows them uh, the start of this past season when Pochettino was given the sack and Jose Mourinho comes in. Um, so very entertaining so far because it's all about Jose kind of taking over at the club and see get see his methods. His thoughts on the players. He's a very, you know, interesting character, uh, and it's always, it's just good to see inside, you know, what really goes on at kind of top level football club. Um, you know how the players train, what's said at half time, that kind of thing. Um, it's it's very kind of interesting. Uh, I think it's probably not as good as the Sunderland one. That's probably still the number one because of just the absolute tits that are in it. Mm. And the, yeah, how funny they were, and how kind of like desperate the club was as well. It kind of gave it more stakes. So um, not not as good as the Sunderland one, but definitely definitely kind of worth watching just for Mourinho alone. Um, I'd say some of the players are a bit, you know, they're all kind of nice guys. They're not. There's no like real dickheads in the squad. It's like Eric Dyer, Deli Ali, people like that. You know, Harry Kane, um, fairly run of the mill. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see what happens because Mourinho had a decent start. I don't know, things went a bit 
bit kind of off the boil in mid-season and then obviously COVID kind of coming in. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing the rest of that uh, all or or nothing about Tottenham Tottenham Hotspur. I saw the clip that's been going around Twitter today of the the obviously not uh, a real conversation that's on the TV. Oh, yeah. Um, Just clearly got some people in off the street to read off some scripted lines. Um, still funny though, still funny. But um, yeah, that immediately made me think. Okay, this is this is a uh, scripted nonsense, yeah, <laughs> rather yeah. than yeah. you know. I want I want to at least buy into it. I mean, come on. Um, I'm sure they wouldn't have had to go very far to find an actual clip. It doesn't have to be you know Sky Sports News or whatever, but it can be any old yeah. tap that they can you know use. Um. Does look good though. It does look interesting. Um, I've I've still not watched any of those series. I know there was one um, about Leeds, then Sunderland, yeah. City, and I need to and now Spurs. I need to dip my my, my toe into these because I'm I'm fascinated by watching them. I just have never got around to actually sitting yeah. down and watching one. I'm as watching this. Have like ten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Lies. Juventus as well. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah, yeah I, I've sung the praises of the, of the Sunderland one as a non-footy fan. So I imagine, you know, I think it's it's I think it's a very watchable program. I think for sure. Um, there you go. But yeah, um, that's the telly golf. It'll be quite weak on the telly front. Uh, the boys is back this week. I'm very excited about that. Mm. Um, quality, quality. Show. Really, the only the only Amazon original I've ever really bothered with. Um, uh, so I'm looking forward to that. On the subject of, you know, comic books, which is what The Boys is adapted from, I have a very, very, very late party. I've started reading Watchmen, the 1985-6 classic uh, by Alan Moore. Uh, It's funny because, so I watched the first season of The Boys. I have read some of The Boys' graphic novel, and it's, it's... I wouldn't say they are similar, but they are kind of cut from the same cloth in the sense that Watchmen is very, um, it's got a lot of social commentary in it, but it is, you know, satirizing superheroes specifically as well. And, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, what, what they would kind of, you know, be like in a more realistic setting and the way society, um, uh, views them. And in particular, the, uh, something that's touched on in the boys' TV show, the idea that, you know, in real life they would probably be, you know, working for the government and they would not be all they've cracked up to be. It's interesting to see that those kind of ideas approach from two very different uh, stylistic points of view. The boys, obviously, a lot more bombastic and kind of um, out there and a little bit edgy. Uh, but Watchmen is is really, really tremendous. Um, I think I'm still fairly early. I think I'm on volume six or uh, whatever they are, part six, I think it is. Uh, so still very early on, but uh, very, very compelling, very compelling. Um, and I can kind of see, I can kind of see where the hype is and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing it play out. I was kind of worried. I bought this ages ago and I was kind of putting off reading it. It was one of those things where I was like, it, it's going to be basically impossible for this to be as good as everyone has said it is. Um, and it's too early to really say if it, if it, if it is or it isn't for me yet, but it, it's, it's, it is really great what I've read so far. So I am, um, I'm really open. and it's it's definitely one of those things that it feels incredibly timely still, um, uh, and relevant. So yeah, I might report back on that. Um, 
some point in the in the coming weeks. And then I also want to uh, uh, watch the show, the much acclaimed HBO show. And uh, I will probably watch the film. I will probably watch the film because it is on Prime, which I do have. So I'm sure I will stick it on at some point out of extremely morbid curiosity. I mean, I don't think it's a film that's universally disliked. I think it's it's definitely divisive. I, I, I fell on that side of the fence, but I know I know people who really, really enjoyed it. So. Yeah, it's it's... That and Batman v Superman are kind of the quintessential films that the, the the Snyder people will die on those hills. Watchmen. There are people who who think Watchmen is a a fantastic adaption of it, and also with the best comic book film ever. And there are people who despise it. I think per, I don't think I personally know anyone who likes it. I will say that much. Um, but I'm curious. I'm curious. Um, I'm trying to remember, is there a Zack Snyder film I like? I liked his Dawn <laughs> film, which everyone, that's okay. the one everyone likes. Everyone likes that one. Yeah, I haven't seen that one, and my answer that, to that question is no. Yeah, so, and plus, I also, like, I, like people really sing that one's appraised, like, oh, this is when he had it, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was a fine film. It is I, it's a fine zombie film. I did not think, first of all, I didn't think it was necessary, it needed a remake to begin with anyway. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't think you would really get much out of it, Paul, to be quite honest with you. Um, okay. And I liked 300 when I was 15, when it came out, um, which I think is his target age. I think he makes films that are like what 15-year-olds think art is. Oh, no. Um, but yeah, so I will, uh, we'll, have, we'll have a rolling Watchmen goff on this show going forward. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I watched the first two episodes of the TV series. Um, they were very good, but then I just got caught up in other stuff. So I've, I've I'm gonna rewatch those when I, you know, maybe when I finish Twin Peaks, I'll, I'll go back and rewatch those first two and finish the uh, the season. I thought I thought it was very very good. Um, hated the film as I said, and I really loved the graphic novel as well. So mm. there you go. That's the gamut of Watchmen stuff. Uh, Game Golf, kind of a quiet week. Um, uh, there is Tony Hawk later this week, which I'm very excited about. Uh, but that's not it yet. I played more Fall Guys. I haven't had another victory. Um, I'm surprisingly sticking with it. I kind of thought I would have bounced off it by now, but I'm sticking with it. Um, and I, in over the weekend, in a, in a drunken haze, I bought. Uh, a sound pack for Beat Saber that is basically all of Linkin Park's Hybrid Theory album. Because okay. uh, in the most 2020 way to commemorate something, it was it was 20 years since that came out. So they released a, a pack of its songs for a popular VR game. Uh, Beat Saber is the one where you swing lightsabers. It's a rhythm game, but you, you're swinging your arms rather than, you know, tapping on a guitar or a dance mat. Um, and so yeah, I was there Saturday night, a couple of a couple of Guinnesses deep, uh, jumping around with a headset on. I've become so numb, getting red faced like a fucking chimp at the zoo, going mental. <laughs> um, 
Uh, I will say I, 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 it was pretty good. It was pretty good. Because I think I mentioned this when I first got the, the VR headset. Uh, Beat Saber is a great game, but the, mu- the, mu- the music that comes with it is shit. It, it, it's like it was a very, very humble indie game made with no money. They, di- they didn't license any proper songs. It's not like when you go, if you've got you know a games console and you buy Just Dance and it has Lady Gaga songs on it. They have really crap it, it sounds like royalty-free music, and then it blew up and became a huge success. And now they have David Guetta and and Timbaland music packs. Uh, so I think you have to, which is kind of a bummer, because you have to then spend actual money to get decent music in a music game, which is really unfortunate. Um, yeah. And like, <laughs> I was on the fence about buying this. I think that I think the reason I bought it was because I was boozed up. It was fifteen quid for this for this pack, which is almost as much as the game itself for basically the the entire album. I think it is the full hybrid theory albums on there. So, you know, it's not like like most things in VR, the value proposition is not great. But um I I I had a great time with this. Um and you know, good album. Happy twenty years. I mean I think that's a similar price to what uh, they used to release songs for uh, rock band, like yeah downloadable packs. And I used to get a lot of those because I was really big into Guitar Hero Rock Band back in the day. But they were like, yeah, two euro song or maybe five euro for like three songs or something like that. Yeah. Um, So that sounds about right. I got my um, SNES Mini working, by the way. You might remember last week I was saying uh, I was having problems with it. Got that all sorted. Playing my little Pokemon card game, which is very fun. Um... But otherwise, for me, it's been a very quiet week on the video games. They've all sat there unloved and unplayed. Yeah, I'm. Um, uh, I'm going to have to. I'm going home to my mammy's this week uh, for the next two weeks to dog sit. Um, and I, it's, it's, and I'm, I'm still going to be working from my actual home. So I'll be doing a commute now in the morning. Um, <laughs> But I really cannot be arsed bringing the PS4 with me. So I'm going to... I think I'm going to play some new stuff because I've got stuff downloaded from Game Pass. Game Pass really is the Netflix of games because I, I have it every... I think I probably touch it like three times a year, but I constantly have it and I download stuff to play and I never do. So I might jump into that. Um, that new game from the Life is Strange people is on it. Um, tell me why, I believe it's called. Um, so I might give that a go. I, lo- I love Life is Strange, so I might give that a go. Um, so yeah, maybe a bit more, maybe more game game golf next week. And also, I, I will I will on my lunch break at work. I'll play some Tony Hawk. Um, now we've got a marathon um, um, movie golf here to do. So I'll, uh, I'll I'll go quick here through mine. Uh, I watched uh, in my hungover state. I watched Toy Story yesterday. Toy Story one. Um, Good movie. Still a classic, still absolutely lovely. Um, I adore it. I believe, as Paul Griffin said on this show, uh, like two or so years ago when you talked about it, it has aged like dog shit visually. I mean, it it looks bad. <laughs> it, look bad. It, it does not look like, oh, you know, this isn't as good as you. Know. It looks bad. It, it's, it's, it's like, because in, immediately there are human characters in it. Like, I forgot how much the humans are in it, and they look bad. Um, um. Sid's dog, especially. Sid's dog, yeah, that's that is a real thing where it's kind of like, and it's funny to think about how 
at the time it was cutting edge because we did have 3D video games, but just about, and they looked they looked worse. They looked like dog shit. So you watch this movie, you're like, wow, this is the future, and it's aged. I, yeah, it's aged pretty bad. Um, but like, but it, not so much that it makes it anything less than an absolute stone cold classic, of course. Um, so I watched that. Um, I watched for the first time in a couple of years, and the girlfriend's first time. I watched Collateral, which I still love. Just excellent, yeah. excellent movie. I really love it. Still, I think I think still my favorite Tom Cruise performance. Uh, Jamie Foxx agrees. Well, I constantly I've seen this movie many times. I constantly forget Mark Ruffalo was in it um, because it is like pre Avengers kind of like B list character actor Mark Ruffalo just kind of showing up and stuff. You know what I mean? It's not. Uh, and I think this was also obviously this is a very serious film. I think this was also his rom com phase. I think he was in a lot of. Yeah, this was before Zodiac, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, yes, because Zodiac was 06 or 07. Um, so a couple of yeah. years, yeah, and obviously pre-Avengers. So yeah, I constantly forget he's in this. Constantly forget Javier Bardem is in it. Um, they just brought him in to just do a great Javier Bardem monologue. He has one scene, and he's just big, intense as fuck, and he's like, <laughs> Santa Claus would be pretty fucking pissed off with you, wouldn't he? <laughs> Um, yeah, love Collateral, still love it. Um, and so, yeah, and then on with the X Men rewatch. I watched Days of Future Past, still great. Uh, I know, I know, Paul has also watched. Paul, have you watched it this week? No, I watched. It. I have not watched it. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm misreading the yeah, Joe, you watched it. I did watch it. Yeah, well, I um, I watched Dark Phoenix um, last week just for the hell of it. Uh, and then you had to get the taste out of your mouth and watch a, a good X-Men movie. Oh, oh, Jesus, let me forget that ever happened. <laughs> let me go back and change the past and not watch that fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, um, so Dark Phoenix was really quite just quite boring. It wasn't like bad, yeah, bad yeah. like very boring. Um, I mean, I, th- I saw both of your reviews on Letterboxd and I, I gave it two stars as well and think i agreed with all of your comments basically um uh, uh what's her face sophie turner can't carry a movie like all of the stark kids she is not good enough an actor to carry a movie um i read on wikipedia that she studied a lot of kind of schizophrenia and disassociative you know personality disorder um which is funny because she just pulled the same face for two hours um, as far as i could tell um, and that, and it also kind of lacked the Quicksilver, you know, fun slow motion scene. You didn't even get that. So yeah, that they did a very very small one in the not spaceship yeah, or whatever it was, but, but it was so minor. It didn't have like the cool song or anything. I thought it was going to kick into one of those, but then they obviously didn't have the budget or something. Or... Yeah, but yeah, really, really, really boring. And and yeah, why was Professor X suddenly like? despised by everyone <laughs> he goes from being like the you know nelson mandela of mutants to being this guy who everyone bitches out for having them save people or something i don't know like if you don't want to go and save the people in space you don't have to like don't shout at him I, that was weird um yeah so i watched days of future past as to kind of compare and contrast and that was thoroughly thoroughly enjoyable i thought great story great characters yeah, um, yeah, and it's it's funny because it is like it's the crossover film, isn't it? It's, it's two of the casts, um, and it's just weird. I mean, it's not weird because that's just how 
Hollywood works, but it's just kind of mad. Like, they could have ended it there, do you know what I mean? Like, what else was there to do? And I think that's reflected in Dark Phoenix. It's like, there, there is no, there's no interesting character stuff left to do, and it just kind of limps on for two movies after that. Um, like, you would have thought they would have had the sensibility to, if you have the movie where Xavier and Magneto finally work together, surely that's your cue that you've done it all at that stage. But anyway... Uh, I also I also watched Deadpool one the first one, uh, which I know we've talked about quite a bit on this show. I I still really like it, but I think kind of t- to Paul's point about the movie, I I do think that I kind of like it in spite of the fact that I just don't. I, I also don't like the Deadpool character. Um, it's just like I feel like I constantly forget the the level of the humor in this film. Um, not to say that there aren't laughs. I think there are laughs. But I, but I feel like if you're going to make a film that is R-rated in the States and you're saying this is a movie for adults, you need to sign some kind of legal agreement that you can't also put like compound swearing in it. Um, you cannot, if you're going to make a movie that you're going to pretend is for adults, you can't have a character say fart muffin um, or cock badger. Um, you know, like that shit is the absolute worst. And it's nonstop in this one. Um, so I still really like it. I still I I do love that it is it is a gleeful, cheesy comic booky comic book movie that feels like it should have been released after Blade. Do you know what I mean? Like it should have been released in between Blade one and two, um, which I appreciate. But it, I it's 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 it is grating. It is, and I am um, uh, I'm curious to see. I have only I've seen this film a lot. I've only seen Deadpool two once, so I'm actually curious to see how I. Uh, how I take to that one. Um, so yeah, that's it. I much, I much preferred Deadpool 2 yeah. for whatever reason. And I, I think I, they I, dialed down a bit the, um, as you say, the comp- compound swears, which was specifically one of my biggest <laughs> biggest complaints about the movie. But also, it's like the story is really bland and the villain is really bland. And yeah. the second one, you have kind of more to hook Deadpool 2. You know, to make it ultimately an, an interesting film. Yeah, so I'm uh, I'm on the home stretch, the uh, the X Men rewatch, and and hopefully we can get it all done in time to see the new mutants in theaters. Um. So yeah, uh, what about you boys? What are you watching this week? What have you watched this week? Do you want to go first, Joe? Um. Yeah, just two others. No, three others. Oh my god, I watched so many films. Um. Yeah. So. As you, as I've talked about before, I don't tend to buy too many kind of Blu-rays or physical media this day, these days, because I'm just very paranoid about collecting too much stuff and then having to get rid of it. Right. But um, yeah. it was in H HMV um, yesterday. Had a little look at the um, you know the bargain shelves to see what had been discounted. Saw Source Code, um, the Duncan Jones uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie on there, two ninety nine for the Blu-ray. I thought I'm having a bit of that. That's nothing. Right. That's a cup of coffee. Um, so picked that up and um, gave that an old watch last night. And that's still a, a fantastic film. I really, really enjoy that. Um, yeah. You know, kind of sci- sci-fi action thriller, but you're so kind of simple as well. 90 minutes long. You know, way it kind of establishes the characters is really, really interesting. Uh, yeah, just a really kind of tight thriller. I could happily rewatch. So... I think that Blu-ray was a wise investment. Um, also watched Edge of Seventeen, which is a kind of coming-of-age uh, yeah, comedy drama. 
Um, it has Woody Harrelson in a supporting role as the, the teacher of the main character. And he is absolutely fucking fantastic as he is in every film. He's just yeah. effortlessly good, Mr. Harrelson. I, I doth my cap to him fully. He should have won an Oscar by now. He's, he's just so good. Um, so that's, good, that's quite a cool film. It's about a kind of slight sort of loner, a bit of a misfit teenage girl whose friend starts dating her kind of hunky popular older brother, sort of leaving her um, kind of floundering a little bit because you've got no other friends at school and she's trying to um, sort of make her way through that. So yeah, quite a, quite a fun little coming of age film. It reminded me a bit of Lady Bird. Um, okay. But the lead character wasn't a completely self-involved, annoying twat. Um, she was actually had some redeeming qualities, so I actually enjoyed it a lot more than than Ladybird. Um, yeah, so I'd recommend that if you want to come in of age film, Edge of Edge of Seventeen, very good. And then in the main event um, on Friday night, we went to see at the IMAX Tenet, the new Christopher Nolan uh, movie tentpole that's uh, ushering us all back into the cinema after lockdown. Um, so I'm a big Chris Nolan. I like Chris Nolan a lot. I'm sure we all, you know, like most of his films to a degree. Yeah. Um, big fan of his. Was excited to see this. Knew very little about it. I didn't watch the trailer. I only watched, I think, the teaser trailer back when that, whenever that came out. So I kind of had a rough idea of what was, you know, going to be in it, but really not too much of an idea of the plot or the kind of mechanics of it. Um, so I went in quite blind. Um, I did enjoy it. I would give it a thumbs up. I won't give away too much about the, the kind of plot or everything because I think it's, you know, you want to go in not knowing too much. But um, I would say it is in the same way as a lot of his other films. It takes a very kind of intellectual concept and weaves that around a kind of action, sci-fi action thriller movie. However, unlike something like kind of Interstellar or Memento or uh, even Inception, which generally you could kind of understand this one was pretty fucking baffling i'll be honest i didn't really know what was happening um at quite a few points and i kind of wonder that if you get to the point where you're so kind of you know complex and intellectualized that it's really hard for the audience to even know what the hell is happening maybe you've kind of failed with the, the movie a little bit um, you know, I'd rather someone was kind of ambitious and tried to do something really smart and complex like that, but it kind of gets to a point where you have to, like, literally have a PhD in physics to really understand the kind of theory of what's going on. Um, so that would be my only complaint. Um, other than that, it was kind of usual sort of good <clears throat> good Nolan stuff, you know, no, no CGI bullshit that kind of takes you out of the movie. Like, everything you see is real. Is there scenes kind of at sea, there's stuff in an airport where it's just like, wow, you know, especially seeing it on IMAX, it just all looks real and it, it takes your breath away. Um, on the other hand, also some of the characters are a little bit cold or a little bit detached. You don't really kind of get the chemistry between them, which I think is mm. a bit of a flaw of his and on occasion. Um, yeah, overall, I, I did like it. I think it might be a bit divisive. Uh, Michelle didn't <laughs> like it. I think she thought it was pretentious. Um, which I wouldn't, you know, wouldn't argue with to a degree, only in that I'd say I'd rather have a film try and be too clever than not be clever at all and just, just put out the same old shit. Um, so, yeah, I would recommend it um, if you're a Nolan fan. 
um, but I think it won't be everyone's cup of tea. That's my my thoughts on on Tenet. It seem it does seem divisive from from what I've seen so far. So I'm I'm interested to hear you say that. Mm. Yeah, and I would like to watch it again though, because I think once you've seen it once, it's a bit like a memento. Um, where once you've seen it once, you kind of get the idea of what it's trying to do, and then when you watch it again, you're like, okay, now I get this scene, I get that scene, I get that scene. So I think that re- rewatching will help with that one. Okay. Um... I've watched quite a few movies, so buckle in. Um, I was, speaking of Christopher Nolan, I watched Inception again. Hot off the heels of Barry seeing it in the cinema. Mm. Uh, I was very sad. My my Blu-ray stopped playing the film about halfway in. So I, had, I started it on Blu-ray and then finished it on Netflix, <laughs> which was, I think, the first time I've ever done that with a film. <laughs> I was like, ah, this Blu-ray won't fucking play. Nef- to Netflix, quick. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've probably watched my Blu-ray three times, and of course, I took the, I took it out, and it's pristine, so I have no idea why it stopped working. But um, um, Inception, I still really love. You might remember it was my favorite movie of the decade. Definitely on this watch, I, I noticed a few not flaws with the movie necessarily, but like the dialogue is very, very robotic and yes. very. Very exposition heavy. Like I remember thinking, okay, Ellen Page's character specifically is like she really only exists to move the plot along. But that kind of applies to almost every character in the movie. All they talk about is how Inception works. And <laughs> yeah. Constantly, like full scenes. Like I remember specifically there's one scene where um Ellen Page's character and Leonardo DiCaprio's character are in like Paris. And she says, like, what happens if we, you know, mess around with the physics a little bit? And then he goes, well, <laughs> and then the city falls in on itself. And there's there's never an answer to the question, what happens? And nor does it ever lead anywhere. It's just like, oh, wasn't that a cool effect we did? Yeah. Um, so I wish some of the characters felt a bit more like characters, especially um, like Tom Hardy's character really <laughs> is is worse than Ellen Page's character for that in a sense, um, but uh, I that's a criticism I would spread across the entire script more so than just Ellen Page's character. Uh, it's still a great spectacle movie. The effects are wonderful. I love the corridor, the spinning corridor. I think it's just great. It looks fantastic. Um, I love the dream in the dream idea, and I love how it's executed. Um, just like I said. My my only real problem with it would be the script is a little, a little inhuman, but it's a very good film. Um, apart from that, continuing on with my alphabetic watch through of my my Blu-rays and DVDs. Uh, so I started with Buster Keaton's The General, which is now the uh, the earliest film I've ever watched um, from the nineteen twenties. Have you not seen that um, one where it looks like a train is coming towards you? <laughs> no, or um, workers leaving the factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think I've seen those, but like, they're like 10 seconds long. I don't really count that. <laughs> it's not feature length exactly. Um, but no, the general is, uh, is very, very fun. Um, I would liken it to, obviously it's a silence film, but it's like, um, it's like Mad Max Fury Road with trains. And with like Jackie Chan stunts, so if that sounds interesting to you, check it out. It's funny 
because I've I've seen a few um, science films, but usually like shorts. I, I've I've never sat down and watched a full feature length science film, not counting the artist, of course. But um, while it's setting up the plot, it's very slow. And ten minutes in, I was thinking to myself, "Am I going to be able to finish watching this because it's mm. just so slow?" Um, but once it got to the train train chase, what a cool two words combination! <laughs> um, it was very very fun, and like I was reading on Wikipedia afterwards, and never for a film have I seen this following line so many times. If the stunt had gone wrong, he could have been injured or killed. There's a lot of that. He's running along trains. There's one bit where the train is going along a track, and you know the wooden planks that they have across a, a train track, right? One of those is as is on top of the train track, and he has another one in his hands like he's tossing a caber. And he basically throws it. It lands perfectly on the other one to knock it off the track. And it's like, if that had gone wrong, that could have been very catastrophic. Um, also has a very famous scene where they do a uh, blow up a bridge and a, tr- a train wreck off the bridge, which looks fantastic and I think was one of the most expensive shots in film history at the time. Um, very, very good. Like I said, at the start, very, very slow. But once it gets going, it was very fun. Um, but if people are interested in Buster Keaton, I also watched a short movie starring Buster Keaton called One Week, which I think is on YouTube. It's like 20 minutes long. And if you have 20 minutes to spare and you've never seen it, it's very, very good. Very, very funny. Um, so I would check it out. That's one week. Just one week, Buster Keaton. You will not regret it. Um, moving on, I watched a film called High Life. Ooh, which I think it was last year. Um, and when this film came out, a lot of the hype about it was that, you know, it was one of those films where like people were walking out of it. Because it had... Um, Sex. Offensive sexual content. Oh, really? I didn't even know. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. You're right. I thought, I thought um, you were saying that they were walking out of it because of the shit. <laughs> no. Um, and frankly, it's neither shit nor is it really that extreme. So I'm surprised to hear reports of people walking out. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, without spoiling anything, there is a scene. I think there are there's two rape scenes in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them is is by a woman on a man, and that scene involves some bodily fluids that perhaps some people might have reacted, you know. Okay. Adversely. But if you've watched a jackass film, for example, there's nothing worse than that in the film. <laughs> you know, there's nothing worse than what you get in a jackass in high then in high life. Um, stars Ro- uh, Robert Pattinson, everyone's favorite actor at the moment. He's yeah. great. He great in it. He's great in it. Um, uh, Juliette Binoche as well. Um, it's a film essentially about a group of um, death row inmates who are sent up. Uh, rather than being killed, they're sent on a one-way trip to space to do experiments and so on. Um, no, I thought it was very, very good. Uh, features a very good performance, surprisingly. right? Here's a name. You might not expect to come up. Number one in this kind of movie, and number two, the fact that they're really, really good. Uh, Outcasts Andre 3000. Very, very good. Um, so I would check it out. That is, if you have a tolerance for a slightly weird sci fi 
with uh, some sexy content in it. Okay. There is a a masturbation scene which is shot like uh, a demonic possession, which I thought was a really interesting way to do it. It was very, very good. Um, so that was High Life. <laughs> An interesting movie, I'll say at least. Um, I watched It Comes at Night. Yeah. Which is a post-apocalyptic kind of Last of Us esque, not not a zombie movie, but not like zombie, yeah. movie. Yeah, um, I thought it was quite good. I thought it sagged a little bit in the middle, um, and then I really enjoyed the ending. And then the very last shot, I didn't like. <laughs> so, um, it's it, it, it's it's a film that is is very similar to The Mist in a way, which is a film that I really love because it's it's about distrustfulness and um, how people act towards each other when they're kind of confined and when they have to get along that's when people just you know can't get along um, so it stars uh, Joel Egerton he's his little family out in the woods uh, isolated from the world because there's this ongoing pandemic funnily enough and, uh, and then one day he wakes up to find that someone's broken into his house and so the film kind of goes from there. I won't say anything more if you're not seen it, but it goes in a very interesting direction. Like I say, a very very satisfying ending, and then and then the final shot it just kind of oversteps the ending and kind of goes. Well, let me lay, let me lay it out on the table for you here and you say no no no. You already did the good ending. We don't need this last shot. But it was good. If like not great, but it was it was good. It's good it's, it's it's one of those ones that I also have and have not watched. I bought the Blu-ray. Uh, it's good. It's good. So maybe I should take the plastic off that boy. Yeah, it's 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 definitely a good, a good seven out of ten ish. I don't I don't remember what score I actually gave it. Okay. It's like a good, a good seven out of ten. Um, not even not even really a horror movie. It's almost mo- it's more of a drama in a a horror setting. If that makes any right. sense. Right. Yeah. Um, and without being, you know, that. You know, person, it, it's 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 a uh, who are the real monsters, the humans or the monsters? You know what I mean. But it's a uh, it's it's very. Good. Uh, I watched Jaws for the first time. That's right. I had never seen Jaws. Oh Let's wow! Take that. I've never seen Jaws. Well, I have now. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. Good news. <laughs> I went into Jaws expecting a similar thing to Halloween when I, when I watched that for the first time. Um, where where I'm like, am I going to just be a little too late to the party where it's too old and I'm too old to enjoy it? Because <laughs> um, when I watch Halloween, I just thought Halloween was so boring. Yeah. I, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, Jaws is great. Yeah. You'll be happy to hear. Is it? Oh, really, brilliant. really, really compelling. I thought I loved all the character stuff. Yeah. Just don't have the shark show up at all. I just watch a movie about Quint and the boys in the boat. It's great. Yeah. Um. The the one thing is, of course, the the shark effects are like dreadful. Yeah. But luckily, there's not much of the shark, and they they do that thing of, you know, your imagination is scarier than any effect can be. Um, but whenever the shark does show up, you're like, oh, it's a big rubber shark. <laughs> but <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was really, really good. I really, really enjoyed it. I thought all the characters were good. I liked the kind of contrast with 
it was almost like a science versus nature where you have mm. the the um shark expert from the marine whatever uh, institute and then you have the old sea dog who uh, you know, I'll catch him for ten thousand dollars. Yeah. Um, so you have those two, and they're contrasting uh, ideals. And then you have the—I uh, forget what the actor's name is—the the every the everyman chief of police who's not even from that island. He's like a blow-in. He's got to kind of make them coexist. No, I thought it was very, very good. That was very. And then you have the mayor who's trying to get the mayor, who's who's the actual villain of the film. He tries to get everyone back in the ocean so that they can buy Pret-a-Manger sandwiches and keep the economy going. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Very appropriate in today's day and age, funny enough. Oh no, he's great, and he's he's this one really great moment where, um, after the first death. He's like, nah, it was a, it was a propeller accident, and then they have everyone go back and see, and then there's, of course, a second death uh, at the hands of the shark, and then he has a moment where he's being confronted by chief police, and all he can say is like, my kids are on that beach, and so it's, it's kind of a thing where, when you're looking at something from the outside, you're gonna take a, a an approach that maybe you wouldn't take only until it actually affects you as well, you know? Yeah. So I like that little. He he was kind of almost like expressionless what he's saying it was a nice little turnaround for that character but jaws big thumbs up really really enjoyed it um now kill bill volume one is a film that i've seen before and didn't really like but i thought you know what let's give it another go let's give it another try uh, so I, I watched kill bill volume one and two back to back in a four hour extravaganza um so i saw kill bill volume one when i was like pfft, 15, 16, in school, funnily enough. Why? How did you watch it in school? We used to have, because I went to essentially a boarding school, right? And we had like a TV room. So after school, we could put a movie on and we'd sit in the room and watch it. So I saw Kill Bill Volume 1 after school, let's say, in school. Um, and I remember I didn't really, obviously, I, I'm not a big gore fan. Um, and so it's, it's an extremely gory film. Mm. But, uh, even even discounting the gore, I just didn't. I thought it was like really a you know a style over substance movie. I didn't really enjoy any of the characters, or any of the performances in it. I think this time around, I definitely enjoyed it more. Um, I still think the anime scene is probably my favorite scene in the movie, even though the the animation isn't quite as good as I remember it being. Mm. The actual that scene works. I think works really well. Uh, I think Lucy Liu is great in it. Really enjoyed her this time around and her little monologue. If anyone's got anything to say, now's the fucking time. Ah, she's great. Um, That being said, I don't know what it is about Uma Thurman, but I just find her a little bit bland in the role. The wiggle, the big big toe scene as well, give me the creeps. (laughs) And goes on forever. And also that first scene with, um, with her and Vivian A. Fox. Or Vivica A. Fox, excuse me. That um, that little fight they have is so bad, awful action. <laughs> it's not it's not well done. Um, but overall, like, I still didn't love it, but I I definitely went from like negative to positive, some from like a three to a six, let's say. Um, still not my favorite of of Tarantino's. I still think there's a lot of problems with it, but mm. I, I've I've definitely come around somewhat on it. 
Uh, I didn't like Volume 2 at all. Mm, um, Volume 2, very long. Boring, I guess. I, I don't even know that I didn't like it because it was boring. I just thought it was... I just thought it was like bad. A lot of, I, I guess it's hard, to, it's hard to explain objectively why I didn't like it, but it, it's kind of a thing where all I can say is like, I, I understand, right? That it's a silly Eastern inspired Kung Fu slash exploitation film. Like I understand that's what Tarantino is going for, but I, I don't want Tarantino to make those kind of movies mm-hmm. where, at times, it wants you to take it seriously. And then at times, you have wacky wire martial arts stunts, you know, where someone is going horizontally across the screen with the, the leg extended, doing the silly kung fu kick. Like, I'm like, okay, I wish this film simultaneously took itself more seriously when it's being too silly, and then simultaneously was a bit less serious at the times when it wants you to be... when It, it, wants, it wants you to take it seriously, so... I don't know. I, I just didn't get along with it. And as Joe said, very long. Um, I like David Carradine in it. And funnily enough, there was some line he had. I don't remember what it was. But uh, it was something that sounded a bit like um, wanking off. And so I thought, that's funny, because that's how he died. Ultimately. <laughs> There's some line in it, like, you're pulling my leg or something. I was like, <laughs> pull your leg a little bit less, you might stay around. Oh, wow. I don't know what the line was, but there was some line where it did go through my head like, geez, that's an unfortunate line for him to be saying. Um, no, I thought he was good in it. Michael Madsen was good as well. Like Performance-wise, I think it was generally okay. But I just... You know, when it comes back to that old thing of like enjoyment points, where it's like, look, objectively this and objectively that. Did you enjoy the film? Not really. So that's all I can say about it. That's all the films I watched. So I wasted four hours watching Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2 to ultimately kind of like a bit of the first one and not mm. enjoy the second one at all. Okay. Waste me time. <laughs> I should have watched King Kong instead. Anyway, that's all the films. That is all the films. That is a Whopper edition of uh, the movie Guff. So with that said... Um, uh, we'll jump in there to our, our next feature, which is a, a quiz, I believe. We have a quiz, yeah. So, we did last week the Simpsons 20 questions, right? Mm. Um, But I don't necessarily want the quiz segment to be all the time Simpsons related. Or the show. Yeah. Um. Now, that being said, this is a Simpsons quiz. Because <laughs> you know what? We love our Simpsons on here. Um, I, I was originally going to just do 20 questions because I, I had a good one. Like I, I, I gave my brother the um, the one we did last week, um, Dredrick Tatum. He got it on the 20th question, and then he gave me one that I got on the 20th question. I thought that would be a good one for the lads. But actually... I wanted to give the quiz a little bit more of a personal flavor. Okay. So the quiz this week is based around my favorite episode of The Simpsons. Okay. That's right. Season 6, episode 18, A Star is Burns. Excellent. 
that's what uh, Mr. Burns says. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that the answer? <laughs> You've got the part. Um, so the way I've done it right now, unfortunately, I didn't uh, put the right number of questions because there's actually an odd number of questions. What we'll do is um, the last question, if whatever question is remaining, we can use that for a tiebreaker if required. Okay. Okay. So what I have is I have three categories of questions, right? Easy, which will get you one point. Medium, which will get you three points. And hard, which will get you five points. So for each of your turns, you can choose which category you want to go for. Easy, medium, or hard. And you'll get points thusly. There's five questions in, in each category. That's why we have... 15 questions, as I said, an odd number. And uh, and whichever question is left, we can use as a tiebreaker if we need. Hopefully it's not one of the easy ones. Um, so there we go. So who would like to go first? Hopefully you've, uh, w- you know your star is Burns, like I do. Um, someone can go first. You can, Joe, you can pick which, do you want to go easy, medium, or hard? I'll start off with medium. Medium. Okay, do you want to pick a number between one and five, then? Uh, is that the question? <laughs> no. Yes, it does. <laughs> uh, three. Three. Okay, Joe, for three points. Which Charles Bronson movie is being previewed on Jay's movie review show, Coming Attractions? Oh, I don't know. Um, I'm going to say Death Wish Five. Oh, it's not Death Wish 5, I'm afraid, Joe. Very close, though. It is a Death Wish movie. Barry, do you know which number it is? Uh, So, yeah, I was going to guess. I'm going to do a classic Joe on it, but this was my guess. Death Wish 4? It's actually Death Wish 9. Death Wish 9. See, that's a better joke number. Uh, Of, Of course, the joke being that he's actually in hospital. I wish I was dead. I wish I was dead. Okay, no points for Joe there, unfortunately. Um, Barry. Okay. Uh, okay, I'll go easy. Easy. Mm. One to five. Um, one. One. Barry, who are the five judges chosen to vote on the film festival? Oh, God, I'm not going to get this. Um, uh, Homer, Jay... Marge. That is correct. Crusty. Correct. Um. Correct. Uh, uh, Skinner. It's not Skinner. That's incorrect. Joe, do you know who the fifth person is? Uh, Mayor Quimby is the correct answer. Quimby, that was it. Ah. Because Krusty and Quimby are the two who are bought off by Mr. Burns, of course. Joe, over to you. I'll have another medium. No point so far. I'll have another medium. Okay. Do you want one, two, four, or five? I got one. One. Early in the episode, Bart sells a Map to Stars Homes pamphlet to a Japanese family. Who do they visit, mistaking for Drew Barrymore? Okay, I think it's Mo. 
Mo is the correct answer. That's three points for Joe. Well done. Well done. Barry, over to you. I will go medium two. Medium two. What is the name of Barney's film, which ultimately wins the film festival? Uh, oh, God. I, I could, I'm saying the joke in my head. And, oh, oh, Pucahontas. Pucahontas is the correct answer, Barry. Three points. So the score at the moment is 3-3. Three, three. Joe, over to you. Oh, I'll go for uh, an easy one. Okay, you want two, three, four, five? Five. Five. What is Barney's prize for winning the film festival? Oh, shit. Um, it's like a, a supply of beer or something like I will give it to you. It's, it's a lifetime supply of yeah. Duff beer. Yeah. Chuck, hook it to okay. my veins. Yeah. Okay. Joe takes the lead. 4-3. Barry. Mm. Uh, I'll go medium again. What are my numbers? Uh, you can have four or five. I'll go five. Five. Barry. Which Springfieldian has a supporting role in a Burns for All Seasons? Um, Bumblebee Man. Bumblebee Man is the correct answer, Barry. For three points. Excellent. Six four to Barry. Joe, back to you. Um there is one medium remaining. I'll go for the last medium then. The last medium. Joe. Who stars in the version of Man Getting Hit by a Football or by Football, which ultimately wins an Oscar? It's uh, George Scott. Like George C. Scott is the correct answer. Wow. Yeah. That's correct. So Joe uh, retakes the lead. Barry, over to you. You only have easy and hard left. All right, let's, let's break the seal on hard. Okay, what number do you want? One. One. In the Eye on Springfield segment, which opens the show, we love Eye on Springfield, of course. Mm-hmm. During the introduction of the show, what uh, is Kent Brockman shown getting tattooed on his back? Um, a dragon? A dragon is the correct <laughs> answer, Barry. Yes, yes. For five points. I've lost count of what the score actually is now, so I'm going to do the counting at the end of the, the quiz, okay? okay? Joe, over to you. Um, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go for a hard one. Okay, two, three, four, five. Four. Four. Which two celebrities does Jay out as gay to Patty and Selma? Um, which, do you say plural celebrities? Yeah, which two celebrities? Um, oh, I can't remember. M- MacGyver. MacGyver is correct, is one of them. The other one. Um, I don't know. Matt Groening. Good. It's not. It's not Matt Groening. It's a, a a notable celebrity gay. I'll say that much. Do you know Barry? <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Harvey Firestein is the oh, answer. Oh yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, You might know him from uh, his many um, Broadway appearances, and also he's in. He, he does a voice in Mulan. Oh, so there you okay. go. Which Barry, if you had watched Mulan, you would have known that. 
can I take the the last easy? Uh, there are three easies left. Oh, two, three, three and four. Okay, uh, I'll take two, three, and four. Three, three. Homer did not know during the episode if he had a pimple or a boil. What was it actually? Oh, uh, a gummy bear. A gummy bear is the correct answer, Barry. Joe. Um, I'll go for another hard one. Another hard. Okay, you have. Two, three, and five. Two. Two. Uh, how do Patty and Selma suggest to attract more tourism to Springfield during the town meeting? Oh, um, racking my brains here. Um, I I don't know. I can't remember. Pass. Do you know, Barry? Do you know? Uh, Paddy and Selma, you said, is it? Yeah. No. No. They suggest to change the name of the town to Seinfeld. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then it plays a little... Barry, over to you. Um, you have too easy and too hard. I'll take another easy. They're easy. Two or four? Uh, four. Four. Um, funnily enough, you brought up excellent a minute ago. What catchphrase does Homer say erroneously in place of Mr. Burns' excellent when he is auditioning for the role of Mr. Burns? Exactly. <laughs> exactly is correct. <laughs> Joe, over to you. One easy and two hard. I'll take the last easy one. Last easy. Joe, which two weapons does McBain produce during the clip of McBain Let's Get Silly? <laughs> uh, God, I don't know. Um, Think of the meme in your head. You notice uh, how men always leave the toilet seat up? That's the joke. Is it, you suck with me. Is it... Right, two weapons, you said. Correct. Is it... Machine gun? Yeah, or, or like an a, assault rifle. Yeah, like a big... That thing. is one of them, yeah. And a grenade. And a hand grenade is yes! correct, Joe. Yes! Uh, I was wondering if he was going to get grenades. I just remember that popped in your so, memory. That leaves Barry. You have the choice between hard question three or question five. Uh, give me five. Five. It, it's a toughie. What is the name of Apu's film, which stars Snake and Chief Wiggum? Oh, I don't even. I feel like I don't even remember this. Um, it's um. It's not really a film. It's like CCTV footage that he's putting forward. Oh, as a, yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Um, I, I had not really a clue to the title. But no, I have no idea. idea. I, I've, I have no idea. Joe, any idea? Uh, no, I can't remember. The answer was Bright Lights Beef Jerky. Uh-huh. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. Okay, so let's count up the scores. Barry, you have one, 
two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, thirteen points. Wow. Joe, thirteen to beat. Joe has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight points. It was that it was one one hard that Barry got is the uh the decider. I'll tell you what. Joe, you get the last question for the for to, to make it a tie. What are the names of Bart's films which precede the eternal struggle which he is currently filming? Oh, I have no idea. No idea? <laughs> Bart makes a, a, a film for the film festival. Yeah. And it's Homer putting on a pair of pants. Called, yes. He calls it the eternal struggle, but when he's introducing the clip, he says, "I'm Bart Simpson, who I've brought you previously," and he na- his names two films. Yeah, I don't remember. Barry, do you know? No idea. No. He's brought you, and these sound like fun films: Homer in the shower, and Homer on the toilet. <laughs> so there you go. That's our little Simpsons. Stars burn quiz. That was good. You did a good job to get that many questions out there. Yeah. Um. So, I, like I said, I do have a twenty questions. If do you want to do it quickly, twenty questions. Uh, or we save it. Let's save it. Let's save it. Yeah. Let's save it. Okay. It is a good one. We will save it. Uh, I have an email. In the meantime, so let me open it up. Go on. I have to open it. I don't have it open. They're impatient. Uh, the email is from Big Willie Style. Mm-hmm. Subject: The goggles they do nothing, which will is a misquote, and you should know better than that. Probably about seven hours, I would say. My eyes, the goggles do nothing, is the quote, William. So do your homework, lad. Thanks for your email, though. He says, Hi, Paul. Who would you get to direct the biopics of yourself, Barry, and Joe's lives? Bra- brackets. Separate movies. Yeah, there'd be like a, an endgame style uh, conclusion to all of our, our movies. Who would you have star in each role? Cheers, Will. Um, who to direct? Let me think. Who to direct? I think Joe... I would have a kind of an inner an inner city Scorsese, I think, would be a good. Ooh, 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 ooh. Um, yeah, Scorsese would be good. With yeah. Actually, yes. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I got it. I, I get. Uh, Barry, I will say, with all the the foibles that Barry as gets up to in his life, Barry. With his 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 Guinness poops and all that, I would say <laughs> maybe maybe a Farley Brothers film. Oh, I thought you were at least going to give me like Apatow, the Farley nah. Brothers. <laughs> so I, I'm like running to take a shit, but I slip and fall head first into the toilet. That's what's happening in my movie. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it's li- literally the Dumb and Dumber scene. Uh, well, fair enough. Look, it's a good movie. Um, and then myself. Well, I have quite a boring life. Who would who would I? Maybe a Ron Howard. <laughs> no, Ron Howard does epics. Yeah, I was going to say oh. like um, 
I know he's only made like one film, but like Rogan. Who, Joe Rogan? No, Seth Rogan. Oh, Seth Rogan. <laughs> wow. Um, that first movie was just, what was it, 1990s? Is that I don't know if I've... No, which movie is that? Oh, Sir John Hill. Yeah, that's Or maybe like a David O. Russell. Just some overrated director whose films are... Where's Anderson? Oh, wait. I got a second. Where's Anderson's a very good director. I know I know, I know what it is. It's for Paul. It's Lick Ladder. That's a good one, yeah. I'll take Linkler. He did School, School of Rock, which is a fine film. Um, to, star, to stars each... Uh, Joe wants Joe Pesci. Um, yeah, like young Joe. Who would I give Joe? I was gonna Joe say, for Joe, I was going to say like Jamie Dorn. Oh, wow. Here we go. Yeah. I, I think that's a, a closer one. If we're doing like a our, our uh, Survivor Series Screwjob style casting based on appearance... <laughs> I'll, I'll, I think that's a good one. Barry. Um, who we got for Barry? Maybe a... Like a young... Maybe I'll, I'll do a younger... Because he's, he's not young anymore. But like a young Brendan Gleeson maybe for Barry. Wow, I did not see that coming. <laughs> um... um. And then for myself, um, I'll take a, a fat Casey Affleck for, for myself. <laughs> so there we go. So coming uh, to so thanks to very Sunday. much for your email. Will that's all I got. Um, also, why email. was the title the goggles do nothing? The email has nothing to do with that. He just likes that reference. Oh no! Well, it, that is a. That is a, a, an episode in which they make movies. So maybe that's... What oh, that's it. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would, I, I would like those movies. Uh, uh, Gleason is... Uh, he's playing the big man soon, isn't he? He's playing, oh, yeah. he's playing uh, DJT. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a Showtime show, I believe. About Trump and Russia or something. Or no, no, Comey. It's based on Comey's book. So, so he's playing Trump and then he's playing me. <laughs> He's got the range. He's got the range. Anyway, uh, I have an email here from Scott, the boy McAvoy. He says, "Good evening. While you were on your visit to Galway, will you be getting the autograph of the wrestler Paul? What oh, the Galway wrestler <laughs> has to be available for signings? Um, I will keep. It. He's. I'll be honest, Scott. He he may well be cancelled. I, I I haven't kept up with them." Um, <laughs> uh, the Galway grappler, but I'm I'm sure he's been up to no good. But I'll, I will certainly keep an eye out. Uh, he goes on to say, what is the one thing about the new place that you wish you had that it doesn't? Just curious because I've lived in a house all my life and I haven't moved in five years, but the girlfriend and I were discussing moving to a new house. Even though there's only two of us, she wants a house with two bathrooms. And I'm trying to figure out uh, what things the new place has to have and what I can do without. Uh, suggestions? Have a good week, Scott. Yeah, I, I actually, I'm kind of with you on that. It's not. It's not like a deal breaker or the worst thing ever, but I was my previous uh, flat. It was me and my pal and he had an ensuite and the flat then had a separate bathroom that was sort of de facto mine. Uh, whereas the current place just has the one bathroom. Um, it's 
kind of like to me it's like kind of a bonus like i wouldn't say it's a an essential thing it's almost a bit lavish like at the end of the day we're a couple so we can share a bathroom that's fine but if i if i could get if i could have anything else on this i would have a second bathroom because i even even when i'm not in a, in a bad way because of the guinnesses i like to have a leisurely shit i like i like to sit down and <laughs> like one old man trait i will sit there and i'll be reading the news i'll be i'll be fucking taking it i'll be getting a volume of watchmen done while i'm dropping a load you know um so, so uh, a second bathroom. I think you. I'm with you on that. Uh, if you do decide to move, good luck with the uh, the hunt. That the searching is the hardest part. The moving's tough, but that's gravy after the after the 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 search. So good luck, Scott. Uh, that's my one mail. I think for me, kitchen is very important. Mm. I I struggle in a small kitchen because I'm a big a big boy. Um. And I, I do like a garden as well, I must say. Yeah. Uh, will we move on to the, the wrestle golf? I suppose if you must. Uh, did anyone watch SummerSlam? <laughs> New. Well, apparently it wasn't that bad. It was alright. Yeah, I liked it. Um... It wasn't. I, I'm not going to tell you to go out of your way to watch it, but uh, it was okay. You know, um, I think it's more of a novel thing because they've been so shit all year. But like, there were two matches that I considered genuinely quite great on it. I thought the Dominic thing way overachieved. Um, he, I don't, I don't want to say he seemed like you know a natural because that sounds. No, I, think, I think that's actually a fair thing to say. He moved around very comfortably. And for a guy who's gotten a lot of stick in the last two or so years, Rollins uh, Rollins came off like a, a proper a proper worker, brother. Because um, he, he, he had this very cleverly put together match that I, I genuinely thought worked quite well. Um, and the other great, the other match I thought was, was kind of, uh, was really great, was Asuka versus Sasha Banks. They had a tremendous match. It was all action. Um, and whenever I do drop into WWE, it does seem like it's the women's stuff that's that's worth watching. Uh, I didn't bother with payback; I'm not a freak, um, you know. But uh, one thing <laughs> you I, can only do one one of those pay per views a week. Never mind the year. Um, one thing I will say is that Braun and Bray was not good, but I I would happily watch them having not good wrestling match a million times in a row then watch them have another cinematic fucking whatever. Like, <laughs> like this was at the very least just a brawl and they just hit each other with shit. And it was like, in that sense, it was kind of okay. But like, it was worlds ahead of all of their fake uh, movie matches. I'll say that much. Um, Roman Reigns came back at the end. It was really cool. And I was like, oh, this might be interesting going forward. And then I found out he was a heel. And I was like, oh, okay, I guess not. Um... Because uh, I didn't watch Payback, but I heard he they did a deal where they announced a triple threat, but he didn't sign the contract, and so he came out at the finish on the pay per view, signed the contract, and then did one move and pinned the guy. And I was like, okay, cheers, I don't care. Um, it's so annoying that they they've done this five years after they should have done it. Mm. It's it whenever they do things like this, it reminds me of um, 
in the, speaking of the Simpsons, you know, when Mr. Burns and Grandpa Simpson are talking about the hellfish, and Mr. Burns is like, can you not go five seconds without embarrassing yourself? <laughs> his, his trousers fall down. And that, that, to me, if I knew how to make those gifts where you can put the things on things, I'd, I'd make that, and it would be like, his pants falling down, his Roman Reigns turning heel. Because it's just like, they've been going through this for five years trying to trying to make him the new John Cena when they could have just done this right at the beginning made him just a complete badass turn him heel for a year then he'd be like the biggest baby face going mm. it's just like they just they just fuck it up and then do what they should have done years later it's just oh god that's why I can't watch it actually I actually watched that Hellfish episode today funny enough yeah um, so yeah, that's that's your WWE check in for the quarter. Um, <coughs> what about Dynamite? Dynamite, I thought was all right this week. You know, yeah, another solid enough episode. Some stuff I, d- I didn't really like. Um, well, I let me just say quickly, I was very very critical of uh, a match on last week's Dynamite, the eight person tag match. Mm. Uh, Oh, I should have saved my vitriol for the women's handicap match that was on this week. Oh, it was baby. dire. Yeah, that was that was bad. It was really bad. Um, the thing about the women's division is that people are like complaining that they need more time and stuff. It's like, like pre-COVID, I was with you, but they the people who were left after like all the people who were stranded internationally and. Brits hurt, and what? What's the other girl who's hurt? Statlander. I'm like the people who are left. They do not need more TV time. Like I, I, I don't need to see Reba. Um, who? It's it's not just an act. She is the shoot makeup lady. Um, I know she was a wrestler, but like you know, she she's been you know brought out of storage because they they desperately need a person. Um, you know, I don't need any more of that. Yeah, that was bad. Um, so the, and also, right, Reba come in with the crutch and Swole ducks and she hits Penelope with the crutch, right? Mm-hmm. But then she like falls out of the ring, which I didn't understand. What the the force of the hit was such that Reba herself was flung from the ring. Well, I mean, when she was an active wrestler, she was shit. Do you know what I mean? It was, it, it, but it was a, it was the ideas were bad as well as the, the um. The carrying out of the actions, let's say, mm. yeah, it was it was it was real bad, really really bad. Uh, the I've been quite down on the MJF Moxley stuff. I thought this week they both cut great promos, right? But then, yeah. but then it was like, like cornball shit then where they tried to get one over on him with the contract and he's wrestling the lawyer next week and I was like, ugh. Ugh, this is so not AEW. Especially, the thing that the thing that I can't get over is that this is the pay-per-view match. Do you know what I mean? It's like, the build, the build was better for the Brian Cage television match. Mm. Um, I'm just not into it. Like, I'm really not. And I hope... Because I think this match will bang. I think the tag title match has to go on last. Um, especially because this company pushes tag teaming so much. I think that they should recognize... I mean, it's it's probably not going to happen because I think MJF's winning, so I think he's going on last. But um, I, I really love for the tag match to, to go on last. I think you're right, though. I think the tag build 
feels like the main event build. That feels like that's where the focus of the show is, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I quite like the Moxley-MJF segments, but that being said, I, I often have my own little nitpicks where I'm like, the way that it could have been done could have made it better, you know? Moxley always is a little too flippant in the reveal. Like, I I I... I would prefer it if it was a little bit more drawn out than, oh, hey, you didn't read the page 17? Huh? And then, you know, it was okay. I, I, I agree that the wrestling, the lawyer thing next week is a little bit pointless. Like, why would he put that in the contract anyway? It's, it's, a, it's a SmackDown angle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If it was something like page 17 was like the match stipulation, like, okay, I, I'm not using the paradigm shift, but it's going to be a death match. Like I don't want it ultimately to be a death match, but that would have been at least something that the segment would have built to and would have made sense, you know. Um I still I still have the same thing with Moxley where I just can't I can't get excited by him. He's just he's he's too laid back almost as a character to mm. for me to to get excited by because he never he never feels intense or you know, urgent. It's always very, hey, yeah. Yeah, I'm a cool dude, yeah. I'm a cool dude. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's weird. I think he was more compelling in the chase, but they also put him over so strong in the chase that, like, he, he can't be the guy who wins it and then quickly loses it. Like, I I think that can be appropriate sometimes. I don't think it is for him. So he has to hold it for a while, but I, I am, I'm, yeah, I'm lacking the, the, the oomph when he's been, when he's been champion, you know? Um, I mean, that goes to speak as well about how strongly Jericho was used when he was a champion. You know, he mm. felt important and the belt felt important he, when they yeah, were together. Yeah, he was doing like big angles every week. You know, Jericho was always involved in kind of big stuff and, and different stuff. Whereas Moxley is kind of, it's either a very basic promo or just a match or something. You know, there's nothing too kind of interesting happening with him. I think he needs to like drive a beer truck into Daly's place and spray everyone with Budweiser or something. You know, some something fucking crazy, you know what I mean? Just to liven him up. So, yeah, other than that, I, I, it was an okay show. I'm not that massively into this pay-per-view, to be honest. No. Well, I felt the same about the last pay-per-view they did, mm. um, which would have been what? Not fire defense, or, or was it double or nothing? The last one, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I was kind of cool on that, and then I that I thought that turned out to be a really fun show. It so. did, yeah. I, I think this will be good in execution for sure. Um, I think it's very cool that they've they're doing Sheeta versus Thunder Rosa. Um, yeah, which the, and to be fair, the video package on this show was very good for that. It was. It was like short, but it was effective. Yeah, and 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 Thunder Rosa is like genuinely really good. Like that could be a, a really fantastic match. Like her match with Allison K on that NWA pay per view was 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 really excellent. Um, so so that would be good. Um, on the what about the um. Sorry, the uh, Adam Page turning on the books angle. So that's that's what I was gonna just about to bring up. I I, I don't know that I really get it. I, I I mean, obviously there's more to come, 
but it just kind of seems I don't know why this is happening sort of it's obviously sort of been triggered by the involvement of free of uh, FTR but I I don't totally yeah. I don't so yeah is that is is that the thing that that again again this is you know I'm not saying this is bad it's just a case I don't really get it yet it might be revealed but yeah is it basically supposed to be that you know FTR and Tully are getting in his ear and and they're like listen ditch these losers blah 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 um because that's well, that's intriguing. I do feel like it sort of makes him the heel, and it's not necessarily out of nowhere because obviously they've done a lot of young bucks, Page, and Omega kind of dissension. But it was also a little bit out of nowhere, <laughs> where you're like, "Whoa, Adam Page just came down and grabbed them for no reason," and then it was like it was followed up on later when they they kicked him out of the elite. But I don't know; it didn't feel maybe as big as it should have, given all the build up. Um, the match was good though. The the gauntlet, if it wasn't great, it was it was mm. good. Um, I like how they not so nonchalantly uh, didn't give us young bucks in FTR. It's quite obvious that that's that wasn't going to be the final uh, match in this random gauntlet on Dynamite. Um, that'll obviously be that be down the road at yeah. uh, at a big show. Um, the next pay per view. Yeah. Uh, what was the deal with Jake Roberts in this show? Oh, uh, yeah, he, he's all right. He passed his sell by date. It was fun for a while. Um, you well, did... it was fun for a while because he's never done this kind of thing where he just was talking over people and acting like a like properly like a crazy man. But I, I will say, like, I don't think he's been amazing. I think that even though this was the worst he's been, I, I, I I'm kind of over it. Even when he was okay, I'm over it. Um, but yeah, this is like. I, I would never take WWE's way of doing things over AEW's, never. But this was like an advertisement for that, where you go out and you say what we tell you to say. And, you know, whereas Jake here was doing old school wrestling things, he had his bit. And when it didn't land, he said, I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it was like a Flintstones reference. Oh, my goodness. It was terrible. Oh, yeah. Um, it was terrible because Taz kept trying to speak and Taz is, as we know is very very good and then Jake would just talk over him and be talking nonsense yeah it, it was rough um, they're anyway, doing another um, doing another um, we'll see where that goes uh, anything else from the show that we need to touch on the the um, the butcher blade stuff was was good this week yeah the um, I like that unit I think that's I think that's off to a good start yeah, I like the Eddie. I like Eddie Kingston, and I like that that stuff. And then the Dark Order stuff was good as well. That was kind of the show. And then the main event was done in about two minutes. In and out. Yeah, I think they. I think they were shortchanged on time with how fast they were going. Yeah. And was that everything? I think. I think that's. A, I think that's our show. Is it? That's that's it. That's your lot. Bye. <laughs> no, let's do a preparation. So okay. we'll leave it there, folks, for this week before technical difficulties uh, kill us off. So it's goodbye from Barry, who is in limbo in the X dimension right now. And it's goodbye from Joe. Goodbye, everybody. And it's goodbye from me. I never do the outros, so this is a rare one. So enjoy it. Bye. Bye.